And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to pod 22 of Redside Le Trent. And as we go into the final week of the season, Nottingham Forest automatic promotion chances are still alive and kicking. It's been one hell of a week. On Tuesday, Forrest went to Craven Cottage at Champions Elect Fulham and won 1-0, and they backed that up with a thumping 5-1 victory against Swansea City at the City Ground on Saturday. With two games to go, it's all to play for, and we are in uncharted waters, which is very, very exciting. We will start, though, with that Fulham game, because, goodness me, I mean... Lee, that I don't know about you. That for me, that was the most stressful game of the season so far. Obviously, yeah, still we still could have two more of these. Like it, it was there was nothing enjoyable about it apart from the final whistle and the goal. That was literally it. It was just like heart attack waiting to happen. However, what a statement Forrest made by going to Fulham and not only winning but keeping a clean sheet as well. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, I echo what you've just said there. Really, I mean. I think the worst thing about it that made it so stressful was that we actually scored first. And it was like, I don't know, it was just such a surprise. Fulham have been like rolling teams over left, right and centre. And it kind of wasn't in the script, was it, us going there and scoring first on the night that they were supposedly set to be crowned champions. So, um, yeah, it was just amazing. But, I mean, to score after 15 minutes and then after endure 75 minutes of sheer hell, um, it's what being a football fan's all about, isn't it? I mean armchairs will never know will they um <laughs> it was just crazy I, I i'm still a little bit speechless but i still can't believe that we beat fulham in their own backyard to be honest um yeah that, there's not really much else to add it was just an unbelievable night and a, a performance that you know kind of typifies this little run we're on to be honest no, absolutely. I mean, when you think about it as well, like some of the players for them held out there, I mean, they brought obviously Kenny off the bench, £30 million Seri start in the midfield. Like you can see his class as well with Seri, I found, because like there'd be a 50-50 ball and Seri would get to it first and turn it into an 80-20 his way, just the way he'd like move his body or shift the ball mm. away. It's like that kind of class is just ridiculous. So for us to go toe-to-toe with that and get with, get, get with something is phenomenal. Uh, we'll start with the zinc goal. So Adam, obviously Steve Cooper got a pre-assist, if you like. Um, let's see, with a very quick Ball boy back to uh, whoever, I think it was Cole back through the ball, wasn't it? Yes. And then obviously a great ball in from Surridge. And then Zinkenegel, I suppose they say fortune favours are brave, isn't it? I mean, that's why there's no such thing as a lost cause in football, I suppose. Yeah, Steve Cooper's quick thinking to give Jack Cole back the ball, thrown Surridge with a great ball. And that goal kind of typifies Philip Zinkenegel this season. Uh, pressing never gives up. And I don't know how he got his toe to it, um, but. But bloody hell, fair, fair enough. I mean, we, we got right at Fulham from the front, from the front, uh, really, uh, on him straight away. Tim Ream looked like he was a uh, train of shit was going down the back of his shorts every time he got on the ball. I mean, we closed down to really, really well as a unit. And I think Marco Silva had complaints. I'm not sure whether he had complaints about Surridge is the initial challenge for the ball to go out for a throw in or what, but. I'd be more fuming that Tim Reams not put that into Rose Ed, to be fair, or Matt Rodak hasn't come out and cleared out sort of Ream and Zinkenago in the process, sort of thing to claim the ball. It's, it's poor from Fulham, really, who have been one of the uh, not only a standout going forward, but defensively, no one's really breached them too many times. But yeah, it was it was a great start. I mean, I think we deserved it. I thought I thought we we really shut the kitchen sink at Fulham in, in all honesty and, and we could have probably got more as we'll probably get onto. 
Yes, definitely. I think it was interesting to make the point about Rodak because I saw the Sky commentators were saying, weren't they, that you know Rodak is throwing his toys out the pram, saying that if he's benched again from a keeper next year, then you know, he's off. But when you see things like that, it's sort of like, well, maybe that's why they've gone out and bought another goalkeeper last year instead of giving you a chance. Because that, like I said, that was really poor goalkeeping. And yeah, you're right. Silver can complain all he wants about the bowing central question. I mean, be stronger is the way I saw it. Just like, you know, it's, it's, it's a contact sport. Be stronger there. And like you said, there's ample opportunity to clear that ball and didn't. So, you know, it's their own fault. But I mean, Reese obviously very nearly pegged back immediately. Uh, obviously, you know, Garner, of all people, sort of allowed the ball to bounce and was sort of misjudged the flight of the ball. Carvalho got in and it was Samba to the rescue. But it was also Samba to rescue in the second half as well when that cross was fizzed across by um, our nearest and dearest, his most cherished lonely signings, Harry Wilson, I believe it was. And then obviously nudged it up. And I think unless Mitch Fitch was a foot taller, that header wasn't going in. But, you know, Samba, I think that's probably, we may even go as far as saying his best game for the club, in my opinion. What would you think? Kind of replicated the performance when he burst onto the scene at Forest at Fulham away um, because we'd endured a few games of Murich's um, goalkeeping displays. I'll put that like Goalkeeping. Yeah. And then obviously Sander got the nod, didn't he? Under Lamucci at Fulham, and he was excellent. And he replicated that performance the other night again at Craven Cottage. Um, I think if he wouldn't have got that tip on it, I think Mitrovic would have headed that in mm. to an empty net. Um, the one in the second half where he tipped round the post, I think, was it from Carvalho, was it? it was, yeah. Um, not the one we had, that is. Um, <laughs> Um, and that was that was a brilliant save. And it, he's another player who, you know, when he did that, he got that silly sending off against Stoke. Um, you know, he's he had to be patient, and Ethan Horvath rightly for a few games got the nod. But then, ever since he's come back into the team, I think Samba's been excellent. Um, and he's just another player who epitomises this Steve Cooper regime at Forest. Um, you know, we'll come more onto the Swansea game. Mm. Um, Later, but it was good again yesterday. I've got no, he's been like I just said, brilliant since he's come back into the side and fair play to him. Definitely, yeah. It's, it's, it, I think, like, once you've got a, a, a fully focused and committed Samba, there, are, I don't think there are many better. I think I saw actually uh, in the league, I said that, not obviously in, in general, but um, I think I did see that. I think he's got the highest save percentage in the championship so far now. So his stats are backing it up as well, what, as well as the ITS, which is good to see because you know. It's just so, it's so important to have you know your goalkeeper being on form. Um, obviously, Lee, it wasn't obviously playing sailing, mainly mean stretch of the imagination. Uh, obviously, Surridge, Colback, and Zinkley got all went off injured, and you know, Cooper sort of said after the game that Forrest has to go into a bit of a box. So that's why Larea came on at right wing back or right back more towards the end. Spence went the other sides, and you know, Cafu came on, Nolly came on. How do you think that we dealt with the injuries? Because again, like. As is the case of most teams in Championship, they have a good starting eleven, but beneath that is where you know the cracks begin to show, and that's where the final table tends to give you an accurate position. But for us to lose three key players and then still you know, hold Fulham at bay, surely it says quite a lot about what we've got going at the minute. Yeah, I mean it's becoming a bit cliched, isn't it, on the banks of the River Trent? But it really is next man up. Um, I think the the one of the most pleasing aspects of the the this season in general really is that when we have lost players, the ones that have stepped in have had a, a real point to prove and a desire to keep the shirt, which I think we'll all agree that for years and years and years, that just hasn't been the case. There's been too many players who have kind of been on the bench, sulked, and then when they have got a chance, they're just either not asked or not really up to it. So I think, um, I mean, Larry has impressed me. I think his attitude in all three of the games he's come on has been absolutely spot on, to be honest. Um, he, he, I think, it would, given that he's 27 and he's not particularly young, I think it would have been easy for him to kind of sit and think, what on earth have I come here for? But, you know, he, he's kind of epitomised what the, the spirit's like in the squad at the moment. Um, so, yeah, it, it was nice that we, we threw a, a few players in who perhaps haven't played loads of football and they, they stepped up to the challenge. Definitely, yeah. It's good to see as well. It's very like it seems a tight knit squad at the minute as well, which is obviously very important. You know, you see that the club's Twitter accounts speaking like you know together, etc., etc. But it does actually have an air of like genuine feel to it, which is really nice to see. Uh, Adam, obviously, me and you were the only two 
positive ones, you thought the Forest could beat for them. And we were nearly vindicated as you know, it could have easily been more. I, you know, I talk, talk about um, Sam being on form, but Forest arguably had the better chances. You look at the one that Lorraine made for Johnson, which got a really good block in. But <laughs> the one I feel most bad for, though, is uh, I obviously said in the last pod that when it all got to Surridge, I just assumed it was in the back of the net. And lo and behold, Johnson picks out Surridge from three hearts out. And um, well, he didn't, didn't, wasn't quite so super sound on that occasion. But I mean, that shows like the way we carved them open there, just how good we can be on the counter-attack. What did you think of the uh, the way that the game sort of transpired really, and the threat that we had? Yeah, it was a bit mental that they were just allowing Brennan Johnson to have so much space in, in behind. The, the amount of times he was getting into dangerous areas and, and the last thing you really want in the championship is to let the hottest winger in the league run at you, especially Tim Ream. As I said, like trail of shit running down his leg, like, <laughs> honestly. And um, and I actually think the ball and the pitch kind of do Rodak a massive favour to close the gap on that Surridge chance. You watch it, mm. Johnson fizzes it, and then around the penalty spot, it just looks like the ball slows down completely. And Rodak, to fair play to it, it's a cracking save. Um, yeah. I think Surridge kind of maybe like thinks he's going to outfox him by going near post rather than back away from where the ball comes. So, so Rodak's read that really well, made himself big and it's a, it's a cracking challenge, but Johnson had one blocked by Tosin Adarabayo, I think. Um, yeah, he had another, he had another chance where Larea went on a counter attack and, and then laid it back to him and it was another block. Yeah. And, and I mean, we, 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 Sam had to make some cracking saves as we said earlier, but there was no, Real clear cut, maybe apart from the Carvalho one in, in the first half, you say, where he's put it straight down Samba's throat. But realistically, on another day, we, we put those in, it's maybe two or three nil, which is mental to say at, at Fulham. And I generally felt we kept them more or less at arm's length. I thought the back three, well, the whole team were incredible. Steve Cook, obviously, we've got to get on to. I mean, the vindication that Steve Cooper's had this season when he's had to unf- where he's made a brave decision to drop a player that's in form. I mean, Toby Figueroa is probably was probably his best form. He's been in a Forest shirt and he drops him for Steve Cook, who we did say inevitably is a better player. And straight away he got his reward because he got man of the match and we kept a clean sheet against the best side in the league. So I, I wasn't too worried. Maybe it was the fact that I was doing a pub quiz at the same time and watching it on a mobile. <laughs> but um <laughs> No worries, lads. No worries. I didn't think you were cheating by having your phone on the table. Yeah, but, no, 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 no. Actually, you are right, though. We should, we should mention the, the, the back line. Uh, McKenna, especially. McKenna and Cook, obviously, well, all three of them. Moral was brilliant as well. But I just found that you could see Mitrovic getting more and more rattled the more McKenna was winning in the air. And, you know, it was absolutely brilliant. Like, they just did so well, all three of them. Like, they just purely dominant force. You know, this is like a... Like, how, what price tag would you say Mitrovic? 25, 30 million minimum? Somebody's just got 41 league goals and they just kept him so quiet. Like, the only chance they had really was that, you know, the one that for Mitrovic was on that Samba got a glove to even then. So it wasn't a clear-cut chance as such. So, you know, kudos to them. They were absolutely immense and, you know, the wall of Nottingham continues. Um, Reese, obviously at the ends, uh, it looked like Cooper <laughs> got very carried away, if you like, with his little, uh, his little fist. But it wasn't very little this one. But I think that sort of shows just how much it meant for us to get a win at Fulham. Yeah, at the end of the day, the bloke's a winner. And he, he knows, I know we're booked, it, you know, we're booked to place in a player, but when there's still top two to play for and it's in our hands now, he's not going to be like, oh, I'm not happy with the playoffs. He, we we had to, we said didn't we if we want to get top two we had to win at Fulham we had to beat Swansea and this is what's so proved Bournemouth are probably you know I bet a lot of Forest fans probably didn't expect Bournemouth to win yesterday especially three 0 so you know they still got that gap which is unfortunate but at the end of the day we've we've done all what we can do and you know it's now on to Tuesday and it's in our hands you know it's 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 probably the biggest game the club's had. Since hmm. the turn of the century, maybe. Yeah, let, let, let's 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 be honest. I know yeah. we've been in a few playoff campaigns, but you know, let's let's have it right. If, if we can avoid the playoffs, and I know this team is different, but with our playoff record as well, and avoid all that unnecessary stress. <laughs> the Wembley visit doesn't bother me. I'd rather go up 
top two every day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Completely agree with that. So it, it goes on to Tuesday and it's, it's just a humongous game. You, you can't, I mean, it, it is, I mean, you'd love to play it down, but you just can't. It's, it's huge. Muscle. No, I mean, you make a good point there about the whole the automatic thing. I mean, I think I saw there was a stat recently, I think, that said that if you go promoted, go promoted top two, I think it's a 70% chance you'll survive. If you get promoted by the playoffs, it's a 45% chance. And that's not necessarily because you're a weaker side. It's because you've all potentially could be. I mean, we've seen some absolute guff get promoted and come straight back down again from the playoffs, but they were just in the mix. It happened right place, right time, and good luck to them. But it's more the fact you get a month less to prepare for the season ahead. And, you know, if you think about it, like, I mean, we're seeing it now. Like, I mean, the, you probably imagine Dane Murphy putting his hair out, transfer targets that you know, we're sort of, we might be in talks with them. So obviously, Dan Taylor, we told us, didn't he? Like, you know, we're planning for next season. We were planning like for this summer, like last October. But how can you plan accordingly if you don't know what league you're going to be in? So it's, you know, once you have that clarity, it makes life so much easier. And yeah. Like, obviously, you can have the idealists view of going up in front of like 45,000 Forest fans at Wembley, but I'd much rather take second any day of the week. I think but, what um, dispels that um, thing for Forest is we had we had Hewton tax, didn't we, at the start of the season? Yeah, otherwise, yeah. otherwise, we'd probably we'd be home and hosed if we'd but, had Cooper for a full season, yeah. that, let's be honest. You that Fulham game would have been a title decider. Yeah. And then, well, that, that, that's football. Um, you know, this with Wembley, you know, we get Derby fans, don't we? Our Wembley is still a sacred place. It, you know, this is coming, I'm not blowing my own trumpet, this is coming from someone who's been Wembley several times and seen a very big game there. It's not, it's not like it used to be. It's not, you know, where it was a showpiece. It isn't really that anymore. So, top two every day of the week and hopefully we can beat Bournemouth. <laughs> We'll see indeed. But obviously, uh, Forrest went the big way getting there, of course, by defeating Swansea 5 1. And Lee, obviously, the first goal was just chaos. Like, I, I, I don't know if Cyrus Christie just forgot he was playing, like, went back to the city ground and had, like, brain fade and just forgot he was playing for against us or for us or I don't know what he was doing. Like, that first goal, I mean, so the referee initially sent Christie off with a handball and gave a penalty, then gave the goal because the ball crossed the line. But the ball still might go down as a callback goal. No one knows. It's a, a mess. What did you make of it as an official? <laughs> yeah, it was a mess. Um, it wasn't as much of a mess as the Sky Sports app, which said we'd missed two penalties and Cyrus Christie had <laughs> scored and then been sent off in the minute after he'd scored. And oh, it was chaos on there as well. But yeah, I can only think the fact that he went over to talk to the um, assistant. Um, to check something. He was obviously poised for the penalty. Um, and clearly the fourth man's got involved. I can only presume that he's forgot that he's got a watch on his wrist that tells him whether the ball's over the line or not. So he's seen the handball, gone steaming in, issued the red card, and then kind of thought, oh shit, uh, maybe it was already in. Um, clearly the fourth man's helped him out and said, yeah, it was already over the line. But the, the really, really confusing thing for me is that he came back on the pitch, rescinded the red card, but then showed him a yellow card, which I'm not entirely sure what was for. Um, mm. Because if the ball's crossed the line, then there, as far as I can see on the highlights, there's, there's absolutely no infringement whatsoever. He's just made a real hash of trying to clear it. Um, I mean, I must be honest, I was a bit frustrated going in at 1-1 because I would have preferred to be playing against 10 men when I didn't really... Because obviously I sit at the other end, I didn't really know what had happened, what the crack was. Uh, but obviously, when I've seen it on the highlights, as, mu as much as it did look a bit of a mess, um, I think they did make the right call. And to be fair, I think, I know it's not a very high sort of barometer, but um, the referee, the officials were all pretty good yesterday, I thought, to be honest. Which uh, which is nice to be able to say. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it was... Um... Yeah, very... You, actually, yeah, it's we're glad it's not a flashpoint because, you know, had they drawn that game one all, and like we'd be sitting here now absolutely fuming, saying that the referees cost us, you know, should have sent him off, should have given us a penalty, and we'd have seen yeah. it out against 10 men. But obviously, thankfully, we uh, pretty much, well, emphatically put a stop to that, you know, control it in our own hands. But obviously, the goal, Adam, it was, it was very interesting because it looked like Swansea, obviously, you know, very like possession-based sides. Even yesterday, about 70% of the ball, I knocked it around. But ironically, their goal came from a long ball. And... Yeah, like we've just gone from praising Forest to back through relentlessly for how good they were against Fulham. That looked like a rare lapse in concentration to that then going through and score. I had to rewatch it just to remember exactly what had happened. And 
it just seems like Oberfemi gets in between Cook and, and McKenna and kind of peels off in like a no man's land kind of position. And to be fair to Matt Grimes, it's a great ball by him. And Oberfemi does really well because Cook steams in and, and puts in like a last ditch slide tackle and, and, and he takes kind of that split second just before he pulls the trigger to go round him. And, and it's actually a better finish than what I thought it was from the other side of the ground. I just generally thought he had like the freedom of, of the Trent end, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, it was a good finish. I, I, Swansea got this whole notion, of, obviously, from, from our end. Anyway, I don't know about uh, where, Lee, where Lee was sitting, but a lot of our fans were getting frustrated with them because they were kind of time-wasting, but not. And I just felt like Steve Cooper's tactics of not falling for their trap was was tremendous, if I'm honest. I mean, we, Swansea were going, come on, come on, like dangling the carrot almost. And we were just going, no, fuck off, we'll let you make the mistakes. And I think, I mean, before the goal, we should have been 3 0 up. It was, abs- I've never seen Boris just absolutely bombard a, a goal like that. Uh, I'm sure we'll get onto that stat that's been released over the weekend about most shots on target, but. Surridge could have had a hat-trick first half. And I mean, uh, Fisher in goal for, for Swansea kept him in it for, for a long period of time. He, he was he was their man of the match and he still let five goals in. So it's, it's mental. Yeah, it's crazy when you, think, when you put it that way. You've left five goals and you're still man of the match. It says just how good you've been as a keeper. But you're right. I mean, we had, I think, was it 17? Yeah, 17 shots from our 27 that we made on all on target. That means their keepers made 12 saves, which is ridiculous. Um, Reese, obviously, like as Adam just mentioned, didn't seem very profligate first half. And for us, you know, sorry, again, I, I feel like I've jinxed him now, but thankfully, the second half sort of put an end to that. But obviously, Cooper came out and said, you know, uh, we, should, we should be five up at half time, let alone at full time. And you know, were you getting a little bit nervous with the fact we kept like spurning chance to chance to chance that you knew from reliable, from reliable like banksmen as well that normally put them away with their eyes closed? Yeah, but that's probably that's because of the stage of the season we're at. You know, like we've mentioned on previous pods, this is the business now. You know, middle of the season, you'd probably be a bit more, you know, level-headed and say, look, the chances are coming. You know, we just got to stick them in, which did happen. Um, I mean, Swan, Swansea, they were very composed on the ball and they, they, they passed it round well at the back, but they left so many holes and. You know, we've mentioned on this pod before that they leak goals and you can see why. Because it generally could have been close to double figures yesterday. If 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 Forrest would have been I'm saying this after we scored five, ultra clinical, they they could have been close to double figures because they just got time and time again, you know, the Surrey's lob in the first half, he then shanked one wide, Yates's header. Um, Cook's header. I mean, that's four Warrell's chances. Header, the first you know, the yeah, Warrell's in the corner. Post. Yeah, he like towed it into. I mean, here's five chances straight away. So, yeah, crazy. And, and their goal is had a, like Adam he's had a brilliant game, which was you know he made he made one in the second half at Lee's end, didn't he? As well from close range from Surridge. So, yeah, crazy. Um, but like I said, with it being at this stage of the season, you know things it is going to get touchy. You know, but um, thankfully, this team just keep kind of dispelling all these myths of the past and keep just plodding along, don't they? And every bit of adversity that comes in front of them, they just seem to smash through. So, you know, you know, it's, it's you know, maybe yeah, mine and Lee's, yeah, maybe mine and Lee's pessimist um, has to be a bit uh, more um, <laughs> realistic, but. We'll see. Uh, it, is, I mean, it is quite nice that you see like Cooper. I think he was asked about like some of the um like previous like I said Forrest just being a, a, a flaky side, Forrest being like mentally piss weak. Like and he said I think his comment was actually really good. I think he said the only the only like history I care about of this club is when they're winning trophies on the cloth. Like I can I can only control it here and now, which I thought was a very good level headed response. And like you said, we have dispelled those myths. Like we have late goals, it's us scoring now rather than conceding. You know, it's a complete like well, eight you essentially from what we were used to, especially so many like years of just shit. <laughs> like it's just bizarre. Uh, but Lee, obviously, in the second half, it was very different. Of course, like James Garner again showed his phenomenal worth, value, and it looks like Surridge found his shooting boots as well. 
and you know, two goals in what three minutes, which basically put the game to bed. Yeah, I mean, we are just a we keep and again, it's becoming cliche, but we are just a different animal, aren't we? I mean, I was it was really weird because at 1 1 and it really frustrating first off, we weren't sure whether they should have been down to 10. You're on the concourse, and it used to be all doom and gloom, but it was there was a real sense I felt that everyone just knew we'd win the game almost. Um, I mean, I must admit, we did spend there was a lot of comments in the Trent upper about Surridge and oh, he's finally started missing. I see, and oh, God's sake, and then he comes out and scores a second half hat trick. I mean, you couldn't write it sometimes, but yeah, I mean, Garner was excellent again. I mean, his little was it for the I think it was the Surridge's second goal, wasn't it? His yeah, first it was... one was the header. Mm. His little kind of surge through midfield and the little jump over the, the challenge that flew in. Um, he had two passes. Once again, he picked the right one. Um, I just can't see any any other situation than him getting a chance at Man United next year, to be honest. I think he's he's that good. Um, yeah, I'd probably agree with Reese's sentiment that he's probably one of the best centre midfielders I've seen at Forest in my lifetime, to be honest. I mean, he's just... He just oozes class for a, for a twenty one year old to be grabbing games in a league that many consider the, to be one of the toughest in Europe in the Championship week in week out is just absolutely ridiculous to be honest. And I think even if he does go back, I think what it excites me is that uh, managers will look at what Cooper's done with him, and they'll be banging on our door to take their their youngsters on loan next season. I think um, it's just remarkable because I I. I thought he was good under Chris Hewitt and James Garner, and he's just got even better. I mean, he's he's literally been eleven out of ten in pretty much every game since probably January, February time. To be honest, he's, he really has been that good. Um, and as for Surridge, I mean, he, he probably could have had two match balls yesterday. To be honest, he, he probably could have walked off with one under each arm. Um, but uh, he, he turned into grabbing a little bit in the sense that he, he kind of almost scored the harder chances yesterday. I thought the, the easier ones he fluffed, but. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to knock him scoring a hat trick. I mean, let's hope he gets one against his former club on Tuesday night. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, like it's been great since Sarge's form as well. He's really stepped into those big shoes that Keenan Davis left as well, who also stepped into the big shoes that Graven left. And they've both done tremendously well. Like, yeah, so it's been good to see. Like, it's, I just find it bizarre that we live in a world where Manchester United's best midfielder is on loan at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, crazy. Like, it's just completely like just. A, Cannot get my head around that at all. I, I do agree with you. I think regardless of what happens, like we could go second, we can win the playoffs, we can stay down. I think Ghana's future next year is at Old Trafford, sadly, but we'll see. We'll see. And... Just, just to add to the Ghana thing, I mean, I went to watch Man United and Chelsea on Thursday, just courtesy of like my, my mate got me a ticket. I thought, well, when am I going to get to see Ronaldo play? Um, <laughs> luckily, he scored. So, and I watched McTominay, Matic, and although Matic Looks pretty decent on the boys. He's, he's a veteran of the game. Neither, none of them, both of them, shy away from the ball. James Garner wants the ball all the time. He wants it on his pen on the penalty on the edge of our box half the time. Even like, and he gets out of the situation or he, he does something brilliantly. Um, one of these journalists, oh, I can never remember people's names, but we all, we all know the, the, the general lark. Put out a load of stats about our Garner's completion rate yesterday and his dribbles and, and obviously two assists yesterday, which is which is brilliant. Uh, and some Man United fan put up oh, sideways pass, and I was like, Yeah, well, you don't get two assists from, from sideways passes. Oh, well, one of them was a corner, and I was like, Yeah, but you don't watch him week in, week out. He runs the show, mate. Like, he's just so good. Um, I think I read a stat. I've got to love him. Sorry, Lee. <laughs> just touching on that, I think I read a stat. For, I think it was from the Chelsea game, United Chelsea. I think it took Scott McTominay seventy-four minutes to complete a successful pass. Honestly, he was, he was, gar- he was garbage. Eighty-four minutes. There you go. <laughs> he, was, he was garbage, and they like watching Angolo Kante just like run past him at like half pace was embarrassing. I mean, at least Garner <laughs> would chop a man in half. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just take someone out. That's what I like about me and Reese said it. Reese said it last week about him being. Looking like a bit of a scrawny geek kind of kid, but he just nails people at all. Do you imagine if he were like this? If he were like Adama Traore built, like he'd be phenomenal. He'd like be the best midfielder in the world. <laughs> the, the thing, what the, sorry, Kristen, the thing what gives me confidence with Garner if we did get up to sign him permanently is with Ten Hag coming in at Man U. I just couldn't see him putting trust in. With respect to Garner, a lad who's 21, who's played his football mainly in the Championship, 
Mm. I just think you know I should go out all out and buy. I've heard, heard they want Frankie Diop. Yeah, you know, Rice has been mentioned. Obviously, yeah. Van der Beek, yeah. did he play under Ten Hag at Ajax? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So, yeah. you know, but we'll see. Yeah. We've got to get you know, it'd be, like, it'd be green and gold until United signed someone like <laughs> 70 million anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a fan base. T- I, think right, I, think, I, think, I think bigger Rice. clubs tend to operate like that, don't they? I think bigger clubs, yeah. you, you spot on, bigger clubs will put, if Declan Rice is available for 125 million, and United have got that yeah. to, to yeah. throw on a, a midfielder. They probably will, won't they? I mean, Im- Im- that Im- is we've got of signing him, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's you are right about like it's, it's just about Gardner's needle. I mean, like he's got eight yellow cards this season. Mm. You know, he, he's not afraid to get stuck in, but also he's like, like you know, four goals and eight assists from central midfields, where he's playing a deeper role. It's just tremendous, absolutely for twenty-one-year-olds. Like, no, he's got such a high ceiling. It's a pleasure to watch him play at Forest. It really is. Um, but obviously, it was, it was good as well. Um, the icing on the cake, really, Adam, was Alex Mighton getting on and scoring. But an interesting Alex Mighton, who looked like he's been in the gym for the last three months, rather than watching the sidelines. He looked a lot more bulkier than he did earlier this season. I don't know if anyone else noticed that, but oh, he's I'm clearly hoping... been hard at work to get stronger. And fair play to him, because the way he held those defenders off to get through, he probably wouldn't have done that like six months ago. Well, I'm, I'm glad you've not asked me about Surridge's second goal for the finish. Like, I mean, we need to... Have a bit of a football pornography over that. You can ask that to Reese because <laughs> Reese was going. Oh, I hope Christian asked me about that. But no, the Mighton did look. He looked pretty, pretty beefy. And I mean, it's not gone down as a Samba assist, but I'm definitely giving it him. That's, yeah, that's great league two yeah. route one standard football. And I'm glad we've got it in our locker because, to be fair, we've not scored. We've scored like every type of goal this season. I would say, would you not? Like we've yeah, scored from right. crosses. We've scored from long range. We've scored team goals. We've scored and then now we're scoring and we've scored from set pieces and now we're scoring route one goals and I'm all for it and I like what Cooper said after the game about Mike and that he's he's got a lot of faith in him and he's working a lot a lot, a lot with him and um, he says like he said something about he's it's unfortunate that he's not been able to repay that with the, with the game time he's he's been he's had um, which which is it's really good to hear from a manager, I think, in, in that sense, uh, that he's got faith in, in these players. And you can see the togetherness after the after the final whistle, obviously, the players come in doing, doing their uh, lap of honour, as it were. Um, strange when you've got two games to go still, obviously. It's the last time uh, of the season, isn't it? It's like yeah, country, yeah. yeah, but it's like, it's not quite the end. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, great to see Martin get on the score sheet. I know a lot of people have got their doubts about him, myself included. I, I do think he still needs a loan, but mm. it's not a bad option to have off the bench, a, a very nippy, uh, dynamic kind of winger. So, it's all good. No, definitely. Obviously, we will get on to the magic moment now, Reese. Uh, so sorry, it's your second goal. Obviously, in terms of like picture perfect postage stamp placement, I don't think Savage could have placed that ball any better if he tried. Just no, didn't from sat behind it. The telly doesn't do it justice because when he hit it, it looked like it was going absolutely nowhere near it, and then it's just gone straight into the top corner, and I wasn't even like. I was just like, wow. I just couldn't, but I just couldn't, I just generally couldn't believe it. It curled that in into the top corner. I mean, the technique on that was, that was a, that was a world-class finish. You know, people might say I'm going over the top with that, but that was, it was generally sublime, that finish to whip it. Like, I mean, Garner put it on a plate for him with a pace of the ball as well, but to whip it like that straight into the top, I and mean, it was right in the top corner. That was that was sensational. It really, it really was. And you know, like Lee said earlier, could could have ended up with a double hat trick yesterday. Um, so, but you know, what is it? Eight? Has he five starts now? And I think he scored. Is it eight goals for Forest? Or I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you mean you take that every day of the week? Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a hell of a sign for two million pounds. He has well. unbelievable value. And to, but... and to be fair, that come on the back of Lewis Graben getting injured at Cardiff. I mean, yeah. if Graben didn't get injured, would we'd signed him? Probably well, not. Yeah. Very so true. it's weird how things work in football sometimes. Definitely, yeah. And on a final note, uh, you will go, go to, uh, leave for this one. So Forrest have beaten Swansea an aggregate of nine goals to two with negative Steve Cooper, as we're all told when he when he picked up. Um, I suppose what your thoughts were on that that little statistic. 
Um, yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's always great when rival fans tell you something that it, it's going to be gospel and you, you know, you're going to be karma's going to come round and bite you because eventually he's going to turn into Chris Hute and Mark too. Um, I mean, do you know what? I think I, I did see a lot of um, Swansea fans backtracking a bit yesterday and a lot of them are now saying that Steve Cooper wasn't quite the right fit for Swansea. I mean, if someone who gets you to, you know, as an unfancied side to back-to-back playoff campaigns, I think maybe one of the two seasons, they probably were a decent bet for the playoffs, but to get to two back-to-back with the squads they had, I think to say he's not quite right for the club, I, I personally think that's just very bitter that he's now thriving at a different club. Um mm. I just can't see. I, I don't. I, of course, I don't watch Swansea week in week out. And from what you you listen to, it sounds like he was a little bit more reserved in his approach at Swansea. But do you know what? This is this is the beauty of having a head coach. I think coaches adapt. They learn from mistakes. And if that was the case at Swansea, then you know, boy, has Steve Cooper learned his lesson. He's mm. clearly let the shackles off with his next club and. I mean, some of the football they were playing. I mean, I've I've heard all sorts of rubbish about their tactical approach was really exciting and enlightening in the first half. What by getting the keeper to act as a, a centre half and then passing it in? What uh, do you know? What I mean? Come on! I mean, that's not fascinating. It's just stupid. I mean, what did he expect? Sam Soyes just to go bombing forward, close him down, and then then pick off loads of space? I mean, it was never going to happen. And I think, like Adam said earlier, it was nice to see Forrest stick to their approach and stick to their their guns and possession as well. It's like 70-30. So what? I mean, how many passes did they make between the keeper and their back three? Mm-hmm. Dozens. We beat them 5-1. That's the only stat that matters to me. And I think Cooper, for me, having watched Forest week in, week out, has simply just learned on the job. He's learned from his time at Swansea and he's not going to make the same mistakes at Forest. So definitely. And hopefully not as well. When, as I mean, obviously, Cooper came, obviously, he got to playoff semi-finalists his first year. He got playoff finals his second year. Down his third year as a manager, and well, TV, TVC. We'll see what happens next. Anyway, we've got, we got a little news alert for you. So, uh, Yup Beer have got in touch. Uh, Nottingham-based business and all Forest fans. So, kudos to them. Uh, they're craft beer from the UK, and obviously for Furfield as well. But if you want, if for Forest fans, fifteen percent off. You, you can get a, a code for that using Red Side, just straight up Red Side, no spaces, only capitals. And if you want a monthly subscription, you can get twenty five percent off with code UREDS, warning capitals, no spaces. And also, anyone with an NG postcode, delivery is just £2. They are called yup.beer with uh, two P's, so Y-U-P-P. And yeah, enjoy. Yeah, um, for those who know me, I've started um, my own um, delivery service, basically a man with a van, which is um, at RL Deliveries on Twitter. If you want to give me a follow, it'd be much appreciated. And any work that you have as well, um, I would go anywhere in Great Britain for you. Um, so if you could give us a follow, that would be absolutely amazing. Thank you very much. So with, so obviously Forest taking six points from a possible six and moving on to the ultimate week of the season in or well, the final week of the season in very exciting fashion. Anyway, so we've got thinking, obviously, us uh, red side of the Trent HQ. And um, what was the turning point of the season and obviously the obvious answer to that question is Steve Cooper because yeah so we thought we'd narrow it down a bit and ask what game you felt was the turning point of the season as in like that you thought okay this this is what put us on this path so Arsenal Twitter again thank you all for for those of you who've like got involved and given us your thoughts so City Ground Pigeon has uh, three points He, he reckons that Cooper's response in a 2-0 going down against Fulham. So that's back in October, he felt, was potentially the first turning point. And obviously pushing on against Blackburn and Yates has got Bramwell Lane. Uh, Snowball Pete reckons Bristol City away. That's obviously a very popular one for understandable reasons. Arsenal in a cup was another one. That was in back of two defeats. The players showed mentality and drive. And then after that, the city ground became a fortress. Since then, we've gone 10 games unbeaten in the league, taking 28 points. And really, the only team we've beaten us at home in that time is Liverpool, which is... You put it like that, bloody hell. Oh, sorry, on top of that, Pete says, is that right? Scored 29 goals at home in 10 games because he's only five. Goodness me. That's unbelievable. All right, yeah, fair point. <laughs> okay, that's why we asked the questions to get these back. Fucking hell, that's unbelievable. Um, 
And then, yeah, again, obviously, classic Cooper, Cooper, Cooper. Um, Grant Fellows, again, says, probably Bristol City away, as those two goals under a minute seem to give them the belief that we can do anything. Uh, Simon Plackett has said, most will point to the Bristol City game, but there's too many to choose. You've got Yates's uh, uh, equalising against Stoke at home, having almost lost foot. We lost the game after Samba's uh, head lost moment. Uh, Yates against Sheffield United, again, the game we dominated, and then we looked like we are going to leave with nothing, and, out of, and then bang from a corner. Cole back against QPR. Again, another game we were on the front football for most of it. Didn't get the rewards in the 90th minute pop-up. The list goes on. In some ways, the defeat to Luton made the club as a whole angry at possibly the right time to give us that extra little kick going into the last few games this season. Uh, Red Tricky Tree, or Ian Allsop, as it looks like his name is. There's been many points in the season where I thought that's the moment. But for me, again, Bristol City away. You know, Taylor scores in the 91st minute and you know, grabs the ball, sprints back. They kick off, we win it back and he scores again. Belief that the game isn't over until it's over. Uh, Tom Oxford hasn't pointed that point. He said, but more the recruitment window to so January, you know, bringing in Cook, Davis, and Surridge, all of whom have played a massive part in getting us to where we were, especially with the injuries to Graben, which touched on what you said earlier, Reese. You know, we wouldn't have bought Surridge had Graben stayed fit. So, funny how football like works in that aspect. Uh, Davo says, beating Arsenal in the cup or Graben's goal, I want to be more specific. We were good before that, just lost the previous two games, and we haven't looked back since. Obviously, since then, Cook, Davis, and Surridge have kicked on. That cup run was huge for us this year. Martin Fretwell. The mentality changed for me at Bristol City. Mark Clinton, Bristol City away. Most players would have celebrated an equaliser in the 91st minute. We went and got the ball back. Key change in mentality from that point. And uh, Alan has said, for me, it's QPR at home. Essentially, we, are, we came behind against a playoff rival at the time and we just expected to win. So thank you, everyone, for getting involved. Some great shouts there. Obviously, we'll have a little bit of debate as well. I'm sure we'll, some of our games will line up with what's been said anyway. So we'll go around round Robin time. So Lee... What was the turning point of the season for you in regards to games? Um, I had to think about this. And for me, I've gone for Yates' goal against Sheffield United. Um, yeah. I just think, you know, looking at taking everything into consideration, I just think it would have been such a blow if we'd have lost that game. Um, I think at the time they'd have gone about five or six points in front of us. Mm. Um, and we weren't even in the playoff uh, picture at that that stage. I think we were about like nine or, ninth or tenth, something like that. Um Looking at the both sides' form after that goal, Sheffield United have taken 18 points. We've taken 27. I genuinely don't think we'd have taken 27 if um, we'd not scored that equaliser. Um, I just think you look at the celebrations when it flew into the net. Um, I don't know, something clicked from that moment for me. Something just changed. And I don't know, fans left the ground at that point, I think, believing that we were almost nailed on to make a genuine push towards the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, it seems strange maybe that it was only a draw, but I think because it was so, so late and it was literally the last kick, well, header of the game, um, I've gone for that moment. That's fair enough. It was a really good one, that, to be fair. Like, I, I still remember like when Garner Quentin said that call and I was like, this is it. This is it. Clutch time now. What's going to happen? And then it was one of those beautiful moments I found that, like, when you weigh in, like, it looked like it was in before it was in. You see, like Sheffield United players, Burnley especially, just crumple before the ball hit the back, even bounced before like the line he knew it was in. And like, oh god, what what a rush! Honestly, what they did. Um, Adam, what about you? What's what's the turning point in terms of you in terms of games this season? I, I, I had to have a look back through at results and 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 whatnot. And um, weirdly enough, I've gone for Blackburn away. I just thought Ooh. they were third at the time, flying. We just got into. To January and uh, Keenan Davis had come in and uh, I mean the first goal where he bulldozed and then even like bounced back up from getting fouled to poke it through to Garner to then score and I just thought you've gone to a team in Blackburn who at the time were absolutely flying and we, we went and beat them in their backyard in a right ding-dong of a game I mean I think if you watched it from a neutral's point of view you'd have gone this is bloody mental like what, what a game of football and I just thought I think we just sneaked into the playoffs after beating them. And I kind of thought, Reese said about, I think at the time, if we get into the playoffs, I think we'll stay in. And I think immediately we lost that the week after. But then after that, it was kind of like, right, well, let's cut the crap. We're just going to now start. This is it. And I don't think we lost, I don't think we've, we've lost one game, obviously. And that was recently to, to, to Luton since, since the Cardiff game. So yeah. uh, it just, I think that kind of turned it for us that, we've got a chance of getting in the playoffs and then now getting to second is just 
crazy. Uh, I'm just happy to be a part of the conversation. <laughs> uh, Race, how about you? I am going to be a little bit awkward and kind of go for one on the basis of the team and one on the basis of the player. So on the player one, I'm going to go a bit further back and I'm going to go for Reading away because that game is when James Garner came off the bench and he's never, ever looked back since then. Rest of the shirt back then. Yes. And, you know, he's been such an important player for us. Um, You know, and I don't want to go on what Lee said at the time, obviously mentioned about maybe him going back, um, which to be fair to Lee, at the time he wasn't. (laughs) Sorry, mate. It was a fair Um, point at the time. Yeah, as I'm going to come on to, to be fair to Lee at the time, he wasn't hitting the heights what he was on the Hewton. But that is one he's never looked back. I was looking for a couple of obscure ones because I knew most folk would probably go for the Bristol City one, etc. The team one, for me, is Blackpool away because we just lost to Liverpool, which, you know, they've been such a furore of that game being built up and the FA Cup run we've been on. And we, unfortunately, was on the end of that defeat. And then there was a break, um, the international break, which, you know, you're kind of stewing over for near enough two weeks. And after that March international break, that is when the business end starts, really, April running. And for Forrest to come back after that defeat, after stewing on it for two weeks and literally blitz Blackpool, you know, in a half, that just showed the testament of the squad, really. Um, and this, the thing is with Forrest, there's been so many turning points because whenever there's adversity, like we've mentioned this season, it's, oh, such a Forrest thing to do, to do this, to do that. So they're always going to be, like, scrutinised. because, And there still will be now because... How many people still think, nah, we're going to go to Bournemouth Tuesday, I'm just going to blow it? And, you know, and it, it'll be in everybody's mind because for, that's, that's, the, that's the mentality what Forrest, since I've supported them, have drove you to. Steve Cooper is changing that mentality. He's done that over the season. And, and they, like I said, they keep smashing through, you know, barricades, you know, and now they've just kind of got to smash through one more, really. And then the net. Well, two more. I'm not going to say we're going to definitely beat Hull. You know, just smash through two more barricades and be a Premier League club. And to be able to say that is, you know, incredible, really. Dreamland. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before I give mine, I'm going to give you some honourable mentions. I think that, uh, I think the very valid ones that haven't been, uh, no one's picked up on yet. I think Millwall Way is a very big one when Graben scored in the 92nd minute. Because you know, if you look at where Millwall are now, they're, they're still going to be in like the hunt for sixth for the final day of the season. Like, and for us to go to the den, a, a typical, typically a place for us have normally struggled. We've drawn games there. We don't normally win. Like for us to like stand up to all their physicality and uh, the intensity from the crowd and to just like go fuck all you lot off. Grab and score the winner in ninety second minute was huge. Um, I'd also think that Cooper's first win, Barnsley away. At that point, no one quite knew what to expect from Barnsley because obviously they'd been in the first year before. Okay, they'd been gutted. We took Murphy off them. You know, Mowat went to Lee, uh, to West Brom. DK went. Ismail went. But you know, we still they were still looking at them. Okay, we decided it came fifth or sixth last year. You know, still a dangerous opposition, and we just blew it to pieces and like we exploited that high line high line relentlessly. So I think that's a good one. But no, my personal one is actually it's a loss. Uh, I think it's when we lost two one to Cardiff away. And obviously, Davis scored. We're much better side in the second half. But after that, it sort of felt like there was sort of a coming together. It was like, we're not playing that badly again. Not in the first half. But that first half was shocking. Like, second half was a, a little better, but not not enough. And obviously, we were made to pay for our, you know, poor performance. And we the bar hasn't dropped that low since. Even when we have lost games to Liverpool and Luton, it, was, it hasn't been, like, from poor performances. It's just been from, you know, hard work or better play from your position. But after that game, obviously... We, we smacked Leicester 4-1, beat Blackburn, you know, got a last-minute winner against, or equaliser, sorry, against Stoke. Okay, kind of poor, poor performance against Preston. But then, you know, followed up, beat Bristol City, 90th minute again against Sheffield United. And then won three games in a row, Huddersfield, Reading, QPR, and then lost to Liverpool, so next defeat. So after those games, we had some crucial points, we scored some exceptionally late goals. But I think in terms of performances, nothing's 
dipped anywhere near that level ever since that game. And I think, yeah, so for me, that is my turning point. We just upped the ante since then and not look back. And we've all been better for it. Let's hope, you know, who knows, it might be a turning point on Tuesday. There might be a turning point on next Saturday. We'll just have to wait and see. But we'll come with that now as it is time for our predictions for the next two games, which includes, well, which are Bournemouth away and Hull away. So, Lee, we'll start with you. Now, now you've called it pessimism all, all well, <laughs> night we've been doing this. Now, I prefer to call it reverse psychology. So, <laughs> I'm going to go with, in true Fulham prediction style, a narrow 1-0 defeat for the Reds um, and give it the huge spiel about them being a really good side again and I think we will just come unstuck. Um, in all seriousness, I think we might win. Um, I am going to be optimistic. Um, I just think, from talking to a Bournemouth fan last week, they don't seem to like it up them and they don't seem to like teams that have a particularly high press and well we do both of those things quite well so I will go for a win um, I think we'll win 2-1 and I think we'll come from behind to win as well Okay. Uh, Hull again tricky game I just hope it's not going to come down to goal difference I would be so gutted if we went and beat Bournemouth and then we went and beat Hull say 1-0 and they went and put 7 past Millwall or something ridiculous like that Um that's that would worry, literally, fair. That would worry, literally yeah. be so foresty of the last 10, 15 years following them. Um, so let's hope that isn't the case. I do think, being totally honest, if we go to Bournemouth and win, it wouldn't shock me if they went and lost on the last day of the season, to be honest. Um, I just think in the last couple of games I've seen them, they look absolutely spent. Uh, it looks like they're, they're just desperate to get that those, you know, both of those feet over the line. Um I think we'll beat Hull. I think the fact they lost 5-0 to Bristol City yesterday, we've got, mm. well, they've had nothing to play for for like two or three months now. So shipping that many to them um, saves yeah, they're not too much. Result, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'll go for a 3-1 win at Hull. 3-1 win, okay, cool. Adam, hopefully for the last time this season, what are your predictions for the next two games? Oh, we're going to win, aren't we? So... <laughs> um, I don't know whether to be uh, more nervous about watching it in the pub or if I'd be nervous about watching it in the ground. But I think I listened to the EFL debate that Lee went on with the Bournemouth fan. And the more the Bournemouth fan went on, the more terrified he sounded about, one, their lack of leadership and the one that they ate getting pressed. I mean, we went to Fulham and pressed the best team in the league. So that fills me with, I don't want to call it, I don't want to be cocky, or anything, but I think just confidence, and I don't want to be. And I, it's not arrogance. I just think we're we really want it. Cooper said at the end of the game yesterday that they'd they'd play the game against Bournemouth Saturday evening if they could. That's how up the players are for it, yeah. and and that is music to my ears. Um, I think we'll be on the front foot at Bournemouth. They know that. They know we've got a win, and I and I kind of feel like they're going to do a bit of what, what Sabri Lamucci tried to do when we. Were, chasing the playoffs and that's almost trying to avoid defeat and I know they went to Blackburn real hard place to, to do it and go and beat them but Blackburn have been absolutely abysmal this this calendar year so yeah, they've been hot and cold haven't they for that pressing win looks a bit like an anomaly if you look yeah, at their recent it, it, results I just I just and I think yeah Bournemouth have got some good players Dom Solanke obviously is, is the biggest worry for me but mm. I just think we're we're so equipped at the moment to deal with anything. We've we've had so many setbacks. I mean, we've, we've not even spoke about Jack Colback playing left-back for majority of this season. Yeah. Lewis Grabham's been out for majority of this season and we've come, we've overcome it because everyone's going, oh, Colback's not going to be very good at left-back. Grabham's our main goal scorer. He's going to score the goals. And people have stepped up. Um, I think we'll beat Bournemouth. I know this has been really long-winded, but I wanted to talk about it. So we need to talk about Parker's absolute out outrageous comments um, but I think we'll beat Bournemouth um, I'm going to I think I'm going to jump on Lee's bandwagon and say 2-1 and I, but I think we'll be ahead and I think we'll make it a bit I think Bournemouth might make it a little bit nervy at the end but I think we'll hold out Okay. and Hull oh, nothing to play for still going to be a banana skin in, in, in a way because 
we've not been in that position. If we, especially if we beat Bournemouth, we've not been in that position for a long, long time to come second. And obviously, everyone's going to be ears to the to the to their phones and and whatnot, checking on the Bournemouth score. And I don't think they'll beat if they beat Millwall. It won't be by by many. But I think we'll beat. I think we'll beat Hull two 0 Okay, two 0 I'll take that. And Reese, what about you, mate? <laughs> you know, I big it's up here. How big the game is, isn't it? I I think it's going to be very very touchy. Um, you know, the both teams will know how big of a game it is. And to be honest, it'll probably come down to who holds the nerve. It's kind of like a penalty shootout over 90 minutes, really. Um, there's no chance I'm predicting anything other than us to win um, because, you know, I've got, you've got to be, we've got to be optimistic. And we, there's no point in going there thinking a draw will do and we'll win on the last day and hook Bournemouth will lose. Cooper will know oh. that. He'll be going there to win the game. Um and I do fancy a, um, a mirror image of the Fulham game. I'm going to say that we'll win it 1-0. So I do think it'll be so tight. And I think it's just going to come from either, like it did against Fulham, just an absolute cock-up from somebody or just one bit of quality or a set like a set-piece, similar to the Luton game as well. You know, you've seen how tight that game was. Um, so, yeah. And then last day of the season... Well, I watched the highlights last night on Quest and God Hull. I mean, the the, the, the goals they conceded against a, another side who on the beach in Bristol City were just absolutely abysmal. I mean, the, the keeper was on the corner of his box and got lobbed, and um, despite getting a full hand, <laughs> despite getting a full hand on it, and it, it, oh, just abysmal. And you know, the Hull fans were just parting in the away end, just giving up watching. So, only obviously thing with that is it's kind of their last home game of the season but you know we'll, I don't know how Arsenal will be um, the report the you know Arvalazze who used to play for Rangers didn't he that was a bit of a strange appointment but I did, and I think we'll go there and win um, 2-0 for me and okay. you know next time we do this pub we'll be a Premier League club hopefully fingers crossed and we won't have to deal with all the stress what will come of the playoffs and who are going to play and, you know, whether it's going to be a, you know, that 0203 season of Sheffield United again and all that crap. So, mm. you know, massive week for the club. Massive week. Yeah, no, it's pretty huge. Thank you for that. Uh, I reckon, I think we'll elaborate on Adam's point. I do think, in regards to Bournemouth, for someone who's won promotion, for someone who's played for some of the world's biggest clubs, well, well, even Carl, we say Chelsea especially, like for someone who's won major trophies, Scott Parker is talking about Nottingham Forest an awful lot. Now, he's mentioned us, you know, he said a million percent we can beat them. He's mentioned the, the fitness like levels, as we discussed. You know, you wouldn't know that doesn't seem normal behavior to me. You wouldn't like, you know, it's very much like, you know, much like what Cooper's done with Forest. It, it sounds like it's like Hewton esque, isn't it? You talk up the position. Like, it should be like, it should be kind of, we go back all the way through the Forest glory years. Like, go back to Brian Clough. It was the, the, the notion was always, you know, Worry, we'll play our own game. Worry about us. We can control what we can control. Don't worry about the opposition. And I find it very bizarre. He was so you know, talking like that so much about us. I reckon Parker's he's proven it before. I think that Fulham team, like I said before, that Fulham team they got promoted in the playoffs. Okay, they held their nerve in the playoffs due to having a better team. They should have gone up top two. They should have won a league really that team. Then you think when they in the Premier League they win away at Anfield, they go level on points with Newcastle. You know, it's still about eight, nine games to play. And Fulham just completely caved in. I think they finished like 12 points behind a very poor Newcastle side as well. It wasn't like a good one. So, you know, he's, he's got clear form for it. I think we're going to go down and win 3-0. And that might sound bold. But if you if I think like, I, I agree. I honestly think we'll, we'll do it. I'm actually more concerned about the whole game because I think that's more foresty to get wrong than the Bournemouth one. Um yeah, I think we'll win 3-0. I think I remember when they had Coventry and they won that game 3-0. And Coventry, you know, they should have been out of sight in 20 minutes. Like, you think that's when we played Coventry and they missed two, three chances. Like, I think I was driving up. Must, might be one of the forest. I can't remember what game I was driving up to anyway. But all I heard was, you know, Coventry have missed a chance. Coventry missed a chance. Coventry missed a chance. Like, Mark Romney pulling his hair out. It's be falling up inside 15 minutes. And it's still 0-0. And of course, they lost the game 3-0 because they got stung three times. But they're there to be got at. 
we'll press them high, we'll get in their faces, we'll give them absolute hell for 90 minutes because we need to. We need to, we can't, we can't not win that game if we have any chance of seconds. We go there and draw it's done because they'll just cruise the final game against Millwall. We need to win that game. So, but yeah, I think we will. And then on to Hull. <sighs> the worry for me is, like I said earlier, I reckon like Bournemouth will panic and just launch them forward against Millwall and score six goals. It won't be enough for us to get promoted. But we can't control that. We can control what we can control. I reckon we'll beat Hull again 2-0. I don't think I don't think the nerves will get to us if we are in that position. I think it's often been said before as well with like horse racing as well. The best time the strikers at the ends, you know, you wait, you sit on the sit on the tail of the one in front until the very last second, then bang. I think this is our moment. I think, I think what's it. I think why is good to mention as well, Christian Millwall has still got something to play for. Yeah, it's very true. So you, yeah. you know, and that is good. I know it is a very small chance, but it's you know, chance. if if Steve Cooper would have that mindset when he was Swansea manager. You know, when we blew the playoffs, mm. they went with a sharp mill war. So that is positive for us that they they will probably want to, if it does go to last day, they will probably want to keep it tight, maybe first half. And if Bournemouth forgot a push as well, try and pick them off. Yeah. I personally I personally think Gary Rowett would take seventh as progression to see Forrest fuck <laughs> it up on the last day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if Millwall got seventh, I mean that's I know the missed out, but that's some achievement. I mean, who would have Millwall in seventh? Ga- Gary Rowett's yeah. chairman said to him, Look, I'm gonna judge your job on whether or not you get into the playoffs. He will see seventh as happy days, give me a bit of a bonus. Fuck off, Forrest. <laughs> and I'll get um, a bigger club when they come along, like he did with Derby. They'll send me under 14 <laughs> or something for the last game of the season. Joe, just touching on the Bournemouth game, I mean, what I think gives me the confidence is we've got to go and win. So our winning yeah. mentality is going to be there. Yeah. We're going to go this to this game and go after it. Whereas Bournemouth can go, well, we just need to avoid losing. And that's where I think that is they might... Sh- I think that's where they might struggle because Parker will go... If we do not win, lose, we will go up. Yeah, and I think that will just, I think that was just, that's just a reverse thing because they, that the Bournemouth fan that you were speaking to, Lee, he didn't feel, if I was a Bournemouth fan, I wouldn't be filled with confidence. He was saying Lloyd Kelly shouldn't be captain and Lewis Cook should. And it was, and it was a barely, it was a barely like of a, it was kind of a, yeah, he should be captain, but he's not really captain material. And you look at our team, we've got, a spine of leaders, in my honest opinion. You've got Yates, Worrell, McKenna, Cook now, Bree Samba to an extent, Jack Cole back at left wing back, who's it's been a starlet. I just think we're we're a team full of 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 leaders at the moment, which is something we've not been able to say for a long time in this for, for in this club. But and that's why we failed so many times because we've just not had the the mentality on the pitch either. We've got... I think, I just, I think I'm just so some, excited for Tuesday. I just want to just bring it on. I think it was... Was it you mentioned it earlier, Adam, about, you know, the Lamoussi thing, you know, like as if they're limping over a line. Like, yeah. That's what Lamoussi tried to do with us. He's just trying to get that last point. Yeah. You know, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. And to be honest, the best, the best team gets promoted. It's simple as that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Bournemouth... I mean, to be fair, Bournemouth, in my opinion, should be home and hose now. There was miles clear yeah. at one point, and it They're looked like them and Fulham. The start of the month. Yeah, eleven that, points. That's, that's crazy. And they were, I remember mentioning on this pod a while ago that I said Bournemouth and Fulham would battle it out for the top spot, and they want to get near them. So, you know, I think, I think what I thought was really telling, I think what I thought was really telling about talking to the Bournemouth fan was we got talking about Steve Cook, and he said, "Yeah, look, he didn't play very often, and the time was right." Uh, Cook's a good defender, but he has got an error in, in his locker. And do you know when you think about it, everything he was saying about a lack of leaders, they would 100% love to have Steve Cook starting, 100%. not just in the squad, starting for them on Tuesday night. Yeah, um, 100%. I, I do get his error comment. I mean, we saw how he went diving in against Derby. It was a, a rare moment of madness, but I think in the games he has played, he's largely been absolutely brilliant. I mean, um, I mean, and I just think they should have they should have probably kept him Probably some Scott Parker up, a little bit naive. They should have kept him just for this this running, these situations, been there, done it, got the T-shirt. And the fact that they've let him go to now us that are competing with them for second, there's some sort of strange irony in there that I just think 
could could he score could you, the winning could goal? Could you imagine that? Something like that. I mean, that would surprise me in the slightest. That'd be I, I hope he. I, I hope he scores and he cheers. They're <laughs> 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 all like Sam Surridge as well. I think I, he's got a point to prove as well, and yeah. I think that I don't want to be arrogant or anything because we're on this. We're on an amazing run of form. Like, I mean, what have we won nine games in our last ten? It, which is ridiculous. Like I've never, I've never known anything like it, right? But if if we're back here doing this podcast and it's playoffs, it's still one hell of an achievement. I know we're we're desperately close, but I just think that we've got to still be humble and remember where we've come from this season. And that is the the my reiterating point of we've just got nothing to lose. Just chuck the kitchen sink at them, and then, and then obviously some advertising audience that come off earlier in the season. I'm just, I'm just hoping if we do miss out on the autos, that that doesn't slip into us. That what a massive disappointment. Now we've got to pick ourselves up again. I don't think he will know, that. Though. No, I don't. I don't yeah. think he will. No, I do. I do agree. But I just, you know, our things. It's a worry, but yeah, and that's just that's just natural, isn't it? You know, you're disappointed. You know, I'm, I'm sure they would have been disappointed to lose to Liverpool. You know, and that's why I was so emphasis on the point, emphasise on the point to go to Blackpool in the next game and just blitz them away he was mega brilliant yeah but we will see it's going to be a very very exciting intense I'm, I'm quite glad there's no no one can work like, on Monday Bank on a Monday because no no Forest fan is getting any work done properly in the next two days ah, I'm um, working mate okay well, those who are obviously <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, no it's all it's out to be a blockbuster finale of the final week and as a famous man once said, I do hope anybody isn't stupid enough to write us off. We will see what happens. And we will see you next Sunday. Take care and enjoy, enjoy if you can, <laughs> the ride. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.